Hello, hello, and welcome to the From Page to Picture podcast. Join us as we take you page by page and scene by scene through the film adaptations of all your favourite books. We are your hosts, Lucy and George, and for episode 11, we are looking at another titan of American literature, Harper Lee and the classic To Kill a Mockingbird. To Kill a Mockingbird, ironically, has absolutely nothing to do with birds. Set in Alabama, the 1961 novel follows the childhood of siblings Scout and Jem Finch as their father Atticus takes on the case of defending a black man falsely accused of rape. In the 61 years since its release, the book has become a staple in the diet of many American students, and even here across the pond. The book won the Pulitzer Prize and loosely followed the life of Lee and her family. Despite the wide success of the book and its grip on American education systems, To Kill a Mockingbird was Lee's only published work up until 2015, with the release of Go Sail Watchmen. This is especially interesting, as it was only one year after the book's initial release that a film was released, directed by Robert Mulligan in 1962 and starring Gregory Peck as Atticus Finch. The film was a massive hit, earning more than six times its budget and winning three Academy Awards, including Best Actor for Peck, and nominated for eight overall, including Best Picture. It raises the question, did the film do such a good job that no other adaptation was needed, and hence the massive gap in Mockingbird-related content? So Lucy, do you have an answer? I do not have an answer. I have an answer, but not related to that. I think it's interesting that there hasn't been another Mockingbird adaptation, especially considering the one in 1961 is in black and white rather than in colour, and there hasn't been anyone that has set out to do it in colour. But I do think I do think that the film does a good job. Like Going into the film, I was told by a lot of people that it was bad, but I actually really enjoyed it, and I think it's a really good adaptation of the book. I think it's like loyal to its source material, it does the themes right. Like, I think it's good. What do you yeah, think? I agree. I, I don't have any faults with how the book adapt. I mean, how the book is adapted by the film. It's very almost. I, I wouldn't say it's too much of like to the numbers what it is. Like, it has to obviously cut out some stuff, but like, it gets across all the messages that the film does. I mean, the book does, and it makes sense at least to me why they haven't done a another adaptation because this one was so well received that they doesn't really seem to do it and I think with how classic the book is and with how soon after the film came both of them have become such classics that you don't really want to touch them but it is interesting how there hasn't been any more adaptations and I think potentially there should have been because there's stuff like there's a recent film showing in my uh, home city Newcastle about Anne Frank it's like an animated retelling of her her life aimed at children to help educate them and like this is not a film meant for kids and neither is the book but like it would have been nice if there's something is an interim to help teach I know there's like a graphic novel series or like a graphic novel based off Ooh. To Kill Mockingbird but it is interesting that there isn't more hmm. yeah I didn't realise that they were doing an Anne Frank um, animation for kids. I think that's really cool, and I think I think something similar to Kill, for to Kill a Mockingbird would be good. Um, but I do think they do introduce it to not so much kids, but like teenagers at a crucial time. Like they study at GCSE alongside like Inspector Calls and the other one where he kills his brother. I can't remember the name of it. I only remember Inspector Calls. Yeah, we should definitely do Inspector Calls. But I think like. It would, it would be cool to have an animated version for kids, but I do think that they do introduce it in the curriculum at a crucial time, like at GCSE time, that kind of introduces that whole racial, um, historical undertone, well, overtone to the book and American history to the book, which I think is important. Like, I read it at school, and I think, like, if I hadn't have read it at school, I don't think I would have picked it up later on in life again. Yeah, and then I think like what you said about how um, the film kind of just, it does cut some of the book down, which is expected because like you can't put everything in the book, but I think it's kind of works. Like it narrows down kind of the whole town and the residents and we don't get a lot of the characters that we see in the book, in the film, but I think it does like maintain the moral heart of the book and like 
it kind of keeps those key themes from the book in the film. I I do agree because I just to go back on what you said about how you did it at GCC and it was I don't remember doing it at GCC like we did like in the spectacles Macbeth and the war and conflict poems that was horrifying uh but we were given like this one like assignment to do which was we had to read and then write write a report or something on a piece of American literature like initially I wanted to do it on like the Da Vinci Code or something like that because it's like just a generic American book but then like my teacher was like you can do something a bit harder than that George and I was like no I can't I can't string two sentences together but then I for some reason I ended up reading To Kill a Mockingbird or starting it but like I had the same issue I had when we were reading it for this but like I couldn't really I could it was easy to read which I guess is good for kids but like I couldn't really get engaged with it I thought it was quite slow to start with but then as it got into that second half, and I, I, I did really start to grow into it a bit more. But then it, it, I, I didn't manage to finish it for that whole assignment thing. I just kind of wrote what I knew about the first half of the book. And it's just, mm. I guess it's another advantage that they're making stuff like graphic novels and other adaptations just so that you can learn about it. Because like, it is a challenging book at times. Not in just in terms of like the subject matter, but in terms of pacing as well. Mm. I find it interesting that you kind of got into it toward the middle half and the latter half of the book because that's obviously where, um, for anyone who's like read it and watched the film, that's when the court case finally kicks in. And I think it's in, I do think that the beginning part of it, because it's primarily from the perspective of Scout and it's also a first-person narration of a kid, like a, a character that is a kid and very naive and very young, it's very hard to kind of get behind her and get into the story because you're just like, why is this kid narrating her adventures with her brother and Dill? And then you get to the actual content with the court case and you're like, oh my God, this is much more meatier, much more interesting. Especially as well when you, like, at the beginning, you don't really know about Boo Radley. as like You're like, who is this character? Why are they obsessed with this Boo Radley? And then it kind of all makes sense toward the middle. So I think it's interesting that you, you stopped because I do think that's like, a prominent theme in the book i think it wants you to start off slow and then it gets better i i do agree with you i i when i was first reading the book i and not the first first time but when i was reading it for this book when i was first started reading it i didn't really engage with that the characters of like scout and gem and stuff because it's just just a generic kid i haven't been a kid in years i don't remember this stuff and it was just kind of them going about doing it so it was fun what like reading about them and stuff like the the whole hedged like gem trying to cut down all the flowers and stuff like that mm. and it, it was enjoyable enough and it was just a vibe but then like as it got on I grew to like ap- appreciate their point of view more often and how like twisted like the world could be and how it could easily force different opinions onto those quite malleable minds mm. uh, which is when I actually finally watched the film, I I kind of missed that because it's very is you're not in the perspective of Scout or even Gem. It's very much you're following Atticus primarily, which I'm not complaining. Peck mm. was delightful. Peck is honestly a dilf. <laughs> I don't know. I just kind of wish it had. It's difficult because I think it would have run into the same issue the book did with the first half if it had focus on the kids where you don't really know what's happening. Mm. But then I don't know what it would have been like, which I guess was why it would be interesting to see another adaptation and how they set the focus. Mm. Yeah, I think you're completely right. Like Atticus's role in the movie is a lot more prominent than it is in the book and it's much more his story than it is Scout's. Um, I think as well, I think not just Atticus, I think the movie also gives more prominence to Jem. I feel like it's like it's much more Jem's experiences. Like Jem's the one that finds all the little things in the tree. Jem's the one that like accompanies um Atticus to tell the Helen um Tom's mum that he's dead. Um Tom's husband uh, wife, sorry, that he's dead. Jem's the one that's like obviously watching his sister when Atticus is in the car. Um, I feel I feel like they really they expand on Atticus, but I feel like they also expand on Jem, and I think that's interesting because I think in the book he does 
does have that coming of age story and that kind of that need to be a man in the house where Atticus is very la- like laid back, doesn't want to be aggressive, but Jem wants to be. I think the film does bring that out more, which is nice. Um, but yeah, I think you're right in that if it was from Scout's perspective, we might get bored. But I do think they also do keep in like the child, childlike nature of Scout, kind of like sing-songy elementary kind of music. I feel like the score is very like naive and childlike, which is quite nice to see. Again, I keep saying this, but I do hundred percent agree with you because it's the the heart of this film is literally the heart of these kids, and it's making sure that they stay at least some degree of pure while their father is defending a man against an accusation of something which is so impure, and it's just mm. how this small little town is kind of just a, a hive of gossip and whispers and trying to figure for these kids like their biggest focus before it was Boo Bradley and who he was or Boo Bradley or whatever his name was and it's just it's very difficult to see how one scout seeing Jem grow up and not really understanding why he's becoming the way he is but then he's the also understanding that that's how his growth is and I kind of disagree when you say that I mean the film gives more of a focus of Jem than it does in the book because I feel like scout is always talking about her big brother in the book like every page is like oh scouts did this scout did that scouts here 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 and i guess because like scout is the only i mean sorry i mean gem because gem and scout are like tied at the hip for most of the film and book which is why it makes it so sad when like gem tries to push him apart a bit as he gets into his young rebellious phase it's also really sad when um, Jem obviously gets hurt at the end of the book and you kind of I think the film does a really good job of showing that like Scout's emotions and the kind of the turmoil of that yeah I feel I think you're right in that she's like obsessed with Jem in well not obsessed but like obviously always mentioning Jem because it's her brother it's been like the the perspective shifts um, definitely to Jem but also definitely to Atticus and I think that's good because Peck is amazing yeah, like, thematically it makes sense at the because f- a lot of obviously it's in a first person's perspective of Scout, and then it'll be Jem telling Scout, "Oh, this happened. Like I went with Dad to go see or Atticus." Is- do they ever actually explain why he's just called Atticus and not just Dad? No, why do they not call him Dad? At one point, I thought that maybe Atticus isn't their actual dad and just a replacement dad, but I think he is real dad. He tells scout everything about what's happening because obviously the whole patriarchal standard of men being the one who go and deal with everything and the women have to stay inside and have stupid little tea parties and I guess they make that would not have been enjoyable to just listen to scout, I mean uh, Jem I'm going to keep getting these two people mixed up uh, just listening to Jem uh, talk is boring so actually showing that sort of stuff in the film was mm. the the right way to go yeah i think that goes for the whole film in general in that obviously the book is first person perspective whereas the film is obviously a third person showing of what's actually happening which i think works because you couldn't have kind of that you know in some films where you have like dear diary in the background i think it works that they don't do that with scout um and i do think as well like having the third person perspective Although it's good, sometimes it is a bit um, weird. Like you know, when the when the bit with the tree and they're like like putting putting like clay over it um, in the film to like block it out from Boo putting in toys. Like in the book, that's kind of described by Scout at a later date, and it's much more eerie. But in the film, they just show you it happening in real life, which I guess you have to because of the medium of the film. But it was a strange moment. I I actually found that bit kind of funny which is silly to say but like in the book it's like they keep finding stuff over a quarter of a few days and taking and then they go by one day and it's just it's gone like someone's taken away the tree they can't get survive anymore but in like the film it's like the only see the tree once and like him getting stuff out of it and then this this guy comes along and just slaps some cement in it and then walks away and it's just gem with his just his hands full of goodies like no and I feel like a lot of that is where perhaps the book 
succeeds against the film because a lot of because it's a short it's a film of, I mean it is like a solid two hours if I remember correctly so it's it's got time but still it has to condense it and I feel like yeah the book with what it's intending to do of a whole more like slow burn family tale of a small slow town it works better as a book because stuff like that and probably the biggest thing for me uh spoilers if you haven't read the book or watched the film but when uh after bob lost the case and he was going to go to jail mm. and like in the book like you the way it phrases it is that it's not going to end there because uh atticus is going to appeal and all that stuff and they do say that in the film but like immediately afterwards it said that bob died like he that he he's he tried to get away but in the film i mean in the book it takes a bit longer to get to that point so you think it's going to happen like atticus says and then stuff like one of my favorite bits of the book in the second half is when uh it's there's like basically like the start of the chapter and scout says three weird things happened over the past few days like the uh the judge heard a the back saw the back door was open and slept with a shotgun. Bob's wife was followed by the creep, and uh, Atticus being spat in the face and threatened by uh, Tom. Yeah, Tom Sawyer. That's what his name is, I think. And in the film, that they, they don't show the judge at all, which is a shame because the judge character is so good. So good. And they show a bit where Jim. And actually Scout are in the car going to go see Bob's wife. And then uh, she's obviously grieving. And then I do actually like the bit where he's just Tom just creepily appears in like the car window. And it's just... Fuck, uh, oh, excuse my French. Oh, what am I mother think? Uh, when it's just Jem just freaking out like, Ah! Go away! <laughs> And then that obviously him spitting there is like it's a lot of these really thematic moments just kind of condensed, which is sucks. Yeah, I think um, it is. It is like an issue with any I think film adaptation that you the moments that you love in the book are condensed. I think one of the moments for me for that is when the crazy dog is chasing the like da- running down the street, and everyone's like, "Oh my god, this dog has rabies!" Was it rabies? mad dog disease or something um and then Atticus shoots it and like that is such like one of the best bits in the book because it's all like oh my god Atticus what a great aim you have I feel like it is condensed in the film which is a shame um and then I think like as well like a lot of the characters that are in the book that I actually quite liked I'm kind of missing from the film I quite liked Aunt Alexandra um who isn't like in the film at all I think like she had such an important role in the book and kind of teaching Scout to be well to to act like a lady um, and kind of that whole like old fashioned gender issue of that Scout was behaving and acting and dressing like a boy and, and Alexandra played that role whereas her not really being present in the movie was like well, so is it just Atticus bringing up these kids um, I don't know I feel like she was such a key moment um, it's quite a shame they didn't include her. Yeah, I, I was surprised when she never made an appearance in the film because, like, the big one of the big themes of the book is the inf- the influences that are being put upon these children, and one of the key influences on Scow, who is a, a almost a stereotypical tomboy, is that uh, trying being forced to be a prim and proper lady, and it was really interesting seeing her kind of buck the trend and try and do something different. Mm. But in like a more Mm. positive note, it was nice that certain bits were condensed, like the first half of the film, which is really boring watching, (laughs) just vibe. Uh, And it got right to the uh, quote-unquote... Is it proper to call a court case like that the action? Like It gets to the... It gets to the interesting yeah, um, bit sooner, which is I nice. think even then, though, I feel like the courtroom scenes are kind of condensed. Like, Pex um, kind of delivers a shortened version of Atticus's closing arguments in the book. And, like, the lines he does say are, like, 
Like the lines he says are kind of basically straight out of the pulled straight out of the books, but like several points from the speech are like not included. It's a much more condensed version. Um, I think like the the film kind of doesn't explore the aftermath of the trial or kind of like portray the conversations that like Atticus had with Scout and um, Jamin trying to like make them understand the situation, making them understand that a lot of people in the town are going to say some really bad things about Atticus. And I think there's such key moments, as you say, like that, that court trial is the action of the book. So even that is condensed in the film, which is quite disappointing. At the end of the day, is there really much they could have done though with everything else to try and include? Like they've already cut out almost whole arcs for these kids. Like I always forget the name of the third kid who Dill. comes by every summer. Like he is significant. Dill, yeah. Uh, he's much less in the film than he's in the book. And there's the, the lady who's addicted to morphine and it gets them to come read the book. That is one of the best bits of the book, I think. Like the whole them learning, like you have, you, you fight in different ways. And that's like, I honestly, I think that's like the best bit that Atticus did. Like his whole speech in the trial is fantastic. But when he's just like, there are different ways in which you can fight and it's not just with your fists, which is obviously what Scout does at the start. Yeah, it's incredible. I love that moment when he does, when Jem does destroy all of her um, Cornelia's or whatever flower it is, and then Jem like Atticus is like, "This is not okay. Like you will read to this woman every day after school now." And it's like that's punishment, but also it teaches him, which is good. Yeah, I do think like the whole fe- the theme of the book and the film is kind of that idea of empathy and how best to fight your battles. Um, in like a Martin Luther King esque way, like you can fight with violence, but it's never gonna actually get you anywhere and I think one of the best moments in the book is when um Scout tries to explain to her teacher um the ways of like Maycomb and the way that the town works and then the teacher spanks her and like sends her to the corner and then obviously Scout goes home and tells Atticus and like Atticus is like well you need to like see things from other people's perspectives and like like the whole like lack of empathy I just I feel like it's Atticus is such a good character he like really makes you think and he's like yeah actually that's good and then there's the whole thing of the compromise when he says, mm. if you agree, I don't know what he says what she needs to do. It's like, don't uh, be a smart ass, basically. Mm. And I'll I'll keep reading for it. Like, hit the whole crux of his personality is compromising and trying to make sure everybody's okay. Because mm. like, the whole thing with Jem cutting the flowers, like, okay, compromise. You won't get any more trouble if you go and talk to this lady. And that's the whole kind of crux of the trial. Like he's trying to compromise with these people who he know he's fighting an uphill battle against overtly racist people, of which most of the jury is biased towards this horrible man. Mm. And it's just he's trying to find any compromise he can to save this man's life. And it's just obviously it's tragic when it eventually gets to the the results of the trial, but. You can almost, it's so beautifully written in how you can just tell, even though they lost, mm. everyone hates that opinion. Even like the, the judge, like everyone's like, sure, Tom won, mm. but he's, his pulper, his whole, what reputation he had left is completely gone by it. Like that's the compromise, as horrible a compromise as it is. And it's, it's sent Bob to jail. But it's basically killed off any social standing that uh, Tom had in return, which I guess is some reprieve. I think Atticus, like, I think at least such a, he's strong enough with everything that he does in the book that he could have a movie just on his own or a film, a book just on his own. And random fact, my best fact ever, the book was almost called Atticus. You've really hyped up this fact for me. I'm so excited. Why are you not excited about this fact? <laughs> I guess that's cool. Like It makes sense that it could have been called that because they always refer to their dad as Atticus. No, George, Atticus is iconic. They would have called the book Atticus. I think that makes sense. I would have read it if it was called Atticus. I don't really like... I don't really get the title To Kill a Mockingbird. Like, I get it that obviously it's a sin to kill a mockingbird and it's about like sin and death. But, like, I don't know. I don't really get the title. I think it's to do... So the whole thing with To Kill a Mockingbird is that it's sinful to kill a bird, which is, does nothing but sing, and it brings all, like, 
and it's basically the town of M- Maycomb. Uh, and it's like, the town is the person with the gun and Bob is the mockingbird. And it's trying to see, like, what are the morals of this town? All that Bob has done for this town has been good. Like, he's helped people. He's done everything. Even when he doesn't have a use of one of his arms, he's always helping. But he's being, he's singing, he's helping contribute to the town, being as contributive as he can. Meanwhile, the person who's been the absolute opposite of contributive, uh, Tom, who's just taking money from the town so he can buy alcohol rather than supporting mm-hmm. his family, is committing the cardinal sin of killing this mockingbird. Hit me with a fact. Harper Lee loved the movie adaptation. Oh, that's nice. And said, and I quote, uh, that it is one of the best translations of a book to film ever made. Interesting. I do agree. I think Harperley's right. Um, do you know if Harperley was involved in like the directing of the film? I This isn't one of my fun facts, but I did remember reading somewhere that she... I don't think she had direct involvement, but she had opinions on who she wanted casting in certain roles, and she didn't want... She had her eyes on someone else to play Atticus other than uh, Peck. Oh, that's good. Um, speaking of cast, um, I think I think it's fair to say that we all love Peck, and that he's a fantastic Atticus. I also think that like the actors that play Jem, um, Scout, and Dill are really good, and I think it's quite refreshing to see kids play kids which is really nice and i also think um brock peters i think who played bob i think um like when he takes the stand and is like questioned about the, like the accused rape um i feel like he just does a really good job of delivering his lines that you just like instantly feel like saddened by like the injustice he's having to face i feel like he does exactly what happily would have wanted through her own writing and like he has an understanding of what happily was trying to get through her writing of like the injustice and the social injustice so i feel like i feel like a shout out is definitely it's it's worthy of brock and the kids uh, absolutely i think uh, for at least the kids like there was their acting debuts that was their... oh really yeah and it, they did such a good job of portraying both the innocent and the was of their kind of cheeky nature and obviously Bob is heartbreaking, but fantastic. Yeah, I, I feel like, um, I don't think I would have recast anyone. Like, you know, when we usually chat, like, who would have been your ideal Atticus or anything? I'm like, I feel like the cast is pretty good. I want uh, Peck to play everyone. But, you know, like, have you you've seen Men, right? No. You haven't seen Men, the Alex Garland film? No. Oh. Well. <laughs> is that bad? <laughs> yeah, it's it's pretty decent. It's okay. All the men in this film are played by the same guy, including oh. like a young boy who's like a de-aged version of the actor. I oh. want that, but it's to kill a mockingbird, and it's Peck playing everyone, including like a de-aged scout and gem, which would be horrifying. But I want that. No, can you imagine Peck questioning himself on the stand? <laughs> that would be many levels of deep. He's definitely one of those actors where, like, you watch him and then you're like, oh, what else was Peck in? Because he's that good. I just want to watch other things that he's in. Absolutely. And he he, he actually, I, I mentioned he won the Oscar for that film and truly well deserved for him. Well deserved, yeah. Absolutely. One of the bits which I really enjoyed in the book and I think was done pretty well in the film was the confrontation at the jail. And it, mm, I, I just the whole scene. imagery in the film of Atticus sat on the stairs reading a book with like a lamp piece pulled outside, and it's just hit like he they could have easily overpowered him and rushed their way in, but because how how respected he is in this town, he has like this almost yeah. barrier in front of them which they can't, and which obviously gets reinforced the moment his kids come in. And, like, they just break down all their yeah. offensive urge to try and take this man down. But that mm. I really, I was, the entire time I was watching that scene, I was just really hoping they included the bit in the book, which was so cool when it's, like, when all the guys leave in their cars, 
And it's just like, I think the kids mm-hmm. had gone back and it was, oh no, the kids were still there. And it's just Atticus kind of like breathing a sigh of relief and telling uh, Bob that everything's okay and he can go to sleep. And then it's just like the person who owns the shop being like, don't worry, Atticus, I was watching the whole time. And he just has a shotgun like in his window. And it's like, yes. And it kind of like highlights yeah. how not everyone in this town is as awful as the, as the worst of the people, which is good. Yeah, I completely agree. I think that I think that stands out as definitely my favourite part in the book and film. I think the moment when the kids come in and you can see on Atticus's face that he's like, shit, my kids are involved in this, like my kids are here. But then also like the moment when Scout recognises one of the townspeople and he's like, Do you do like like hey, do you remember me? Um Cunning Cunningsworth, I think, the guy that starts mm, starts yeah. the book by um being with being with Atticus and talking about land or something. Um and he's like, I go to school with your son, like we speak to each other all the time. It's it's that moment where it's like, Well, the people that you see every day on the street and the people that you thought you knew aren't who you know and it's just such a strong moment and then like the, you just see like Atticus being like shit and he's like Jem take Scout back it's it's so good it's so good and it's like the whole whole crux of the film as we mentioned is the whole town of Maycomb influencing these kids but this is the one moment where it's the kids influencing yeah. Maycomb and it's like are we doing the right thing here yeah, and it's and it's such an interesting like dilemma because they they're grown they're raised in such a way to act like this and think that it is the moral high point to have, and it's so almost ha- heartbreaking watching Scout say this and just seeing Cunningham's fa- like face in the film just kind of falter as he realizes mm. I'm a horrible person. It's so powerful, so powerful. I think as well, like, I don't know if you got this, but I didn't think the book was, like, quite scary or horror in any way. But I think the film, it kind of adds, like, really scary and, like, isolated moments. Like, when they're going to see, like, Dill, Jem and Scout are going to Boo's house and you just see the house and it's, like, cut off and it's isolated. And, like, the Halloween pageant, obviously, in the most, like, the famous iconic ham costume, like, that whole interaction, it's just really creepy and, like, scary and, like, just reminds me that like these kids are actually kids, but like they're doing this acting and it's creepy. I hundred percent agree, and I would like to please focus in on the single best page to screen costume adaptation with the ham costume, which was fantastic. I, I that was the ham I pictured as I read the book, and it was perfect. <laughs> it was so good. I I did love like the whole horror little bit at the end when it's just them walking, and it's like oh they're being followed, and it's really creepy. Yeah. But I really did love the bit in the book. I love how they do it in the book. I think it's as good as the film, personally. Mm. But when it's like them walking to the pageant initially, mm. and then one of their friends jumps out and scares them, and that's when like they're walking back, they both assume it's that as well. But in reality, it's something much yeah. worse. And it's, I think that was really cool. Yeah, it's it's such a good moment. I mean... We've talked outfits before with like Emma and like the iconic outfits, but I don't think anything is gonna beat that ham costume. The ham is peak. It's good. One of the the bits I really like as well is the ending. So obviously, spoilers to anyone who has not read or watched. Um, it's Boo Radley that um comes in and like saves Jem from Tom. Is it Tom that attacks? Yeah. Yeah. yeah Tom. Um, and then Tom gets stabbed and dies at the end. Um, I think it's really interesting that we then have this kind of confrontation between Atticus and the judge and the sheriff of, well, are we going to implicate these kids and these innocent people or are we just going to say that he fell on his knife and that he died for his own reason? And I think it's really interesting that Atticus straight away is like, no, I'm not. Like, I'm not letting you do this for me. I'm not letting this become a thing. And he's fully ready to go to court with it. And then in the end, he's like, he accepts it. And I think it's kind of interesting because throughout the whole thing, he's been like, you need guys need to tell the truth. You need to be true to your honours and your values. And in the end, he's kind of not. But I think it's a good reason he's not. Yeah, it's very interesting because like, the whole argument that the, the, crux, the tragedy of the film is that an innocent man has mm. died because of a very guilty man. And then 
is basically them saying the reverse is happening now should a very the death of a very guilty man be the fault of innocent mm. people or should it be his own fault for he already killed someone should he add himself to that his own list and it's just very it's a difficult i wouldn't know what i would do in that mm. situation and the whole the, the bit which did confuse me was when they said Atticus seemed almost certain that it was Jem mm. who did it. And that's how they kind of portray it in the book. But in the film, they kind of, I think, shed a bit more focus that it was Boo Radley who killed him and saved yeah. him, which was kind of, one, brutal, but also, I think, a very interesting depiction of the character. Mm. He's the antithesis to everyone else in this town. Everyone else is always coming together. But just one thing which is actually missing from the film was when there was a whole fire and everyone came together and fixed, like, uh, mm. watered down the whole shooting of the dog. So yeah. like, And like, everyone's always, like, giving cakes and having chats. And, like, when the sister's in town, she's, like, head of the Tea Party Society or whatever. And, like, there's a whole tightly linked community. Everyone knows everyone, apart from Boo Radley. Yeah. And it's, like... He's. It's clearly that the law didn't work on mm. like, on this occasion. Like, uh, Bob died tragically because the law was is too ingrained racism. It still is, but that's a separate conversation. And it's Bob. It's kind of like Boo is kind of true justice in this situation. Boo is Batman, and it's Boo is Batman. <laughs> and it, I think that that's kind of like it's a happy as ending as anyone could have got in that scenario. Yeah, I think I agree that I, if I were Atticus, I wouldn't know what to do. And I think it, it is kind of interesting that, that take that you were just saying about how like an innocent man died because of a guilty man and now the guilty man's dead. So it's kind of full circle. Um, I think it is interesting that the film chooses to focus more on that it was Boo that shot, that killed him because it kind of reinforces this image that we we get in the book and film that Boo is kind of this outcast and also like, all the rumors that Boo Boo stabbed his dad in the in the leg and Boo did this and Boo did that. Whereas like if it's Jem, it's much more it's an innocent kid that has killed this guilty man. Um, I think I prefer the film version. I think it makes more sense for Boo to be the focus because then I don't know. Then it just kind of adds the, why he's such an important character to these kids. Like otherwise, I feel like he'd just be kind of a random character in the film. Yeah, I, I agree. And I think it's more realistic as well because I assume Tom had the knife and was going to try and kill the kids. Mm. But then, like, how would have Jem, with a broken arm, wrestled the knife out of his grip and then stabbed him? It would have required a lot of force to stab him as well. So it's yeah. like, it makes more sense that it was Boo. Which I, I think they went for the right choice with that. And I think it also is interesting and added more layers to characters like the police uh, commissioner. Because uh, he was like, leave this man to his shy ways, like, leave him be. And it's the whole thing of, like, no one is really for or against Boo Radley, but he is part of this town, and it's very much got to be respectful of him. And it's, even if it is Jem uh, or Boo, it's especially when it's Boo, it's like, oh, sure, this guy hasn't really contributed that much to this town, but he mm. sure as hell isn't as bad as uh, Tom was, so... If anything, he's done as a service, so let's just leave it to that. Okay. Yeah, it's a good conclusion. Also, I think one of the best bits in both book and film, and I think that really caught me when I first read the book, was Atticus's way of showing Bob's innocence. He very much, like, he's like, I'm going to ask you questions, and you probably already answered the questions, but you're going to have to answer them again. He's like, did you beat her on the left side, the right side? And it's so much focus on the fact that, well, Bob couldn't have done any of it because his arm doesn't work. Like, that is his whole defence. And that's the reason why he's not guilty. Like, that's the reason why it, what he is innocent. But I think it's such... When you're reading it, you're like, how is how is he going to defend the fact that this is a black man in a racist, very racist town? So he needs logic and he uses logic. He uses the fact that, well, he kind of strangled on both sides or being beaten up on both sides when this man can't use his arm. And it's... I think I just remember reading it thinking... That's genius. That's like it's genius. It is fantastic how he's just so logical and how he breaks down this problem, and it's just 
it's so obvious by the time it's finished that it's surprising and also just so disheartening how racist the town is that everyone's mm. not immediately saying, get him out of there, he's innocent. And the whole thing of him having the uh, damaged arm is equally as tragic because it's mm. clearly obvious that he has a damaged arm and can't use it. And he's been in this town for a while and like he works with a lot of the people in that town. Mm. So they will have all clearly seen that he is not as able as able as other people and it should have been obvious from the get-go that this can't be the case at all yeah i i do also find it quite interesting and it was quite mature for the time how it discussed the case of male sexual assault because mm-hmm. it, it's depict obviously the whole crux of the book is that the daughter of Tom uh, is accusing Tom, uh, uh, sorry, Bob, of uh, raping her. As uh, Bob is giving his side of the story, it's very much the opposite. It's her sexually assaulting him, using her white privilege and power to mm-hmm. kind of dominate him almost. And it's her him trying to, as best he can, fend off her advances but he knows is if he does too much, if he tries to push her away too hard, his life is ruined. Like, mm-hmm. and and it was ruined, even when he didn't actually do anything, like too violent, like pushing her away and like knocking her into a table or something. Like, he just stood his ground, which is awful in the end. Yeah, I think it's um, I think it does a really good job of kind of looking at that theme of who do we do we do we always believe the victim do we always trust the victim um do we give rape victims the benefit of the doubt or is that like completely ludicrous and we actually just need to look at the facts um and i also think you're right in that it's really it's really interesting take on the idea that this this guy was just trying to help her with her many seven eight siblings just trying to give her help and because of that he's then accused of rape and it's like obviously it's a racial thing but it's also like it really goes into like the idea of people using rape as like a tool I think to um like a tool of defense or a tool of like to ruin someone's life and it it does ruin his life as you said absolutely like and when you use it in such a way as that it I'm not going to say that it lessens but it makes it a lot harder for people who are who have actually been sexually assaulted to come out and name their accusers and get justice and when it might just be swept like as the court is assuming that oh this is another one of those cases where they're accusing them because of xyz reason to bring this person down when in reality they that the person who did this is actually a monster and but because someone else has done it use it this way it's become almost a bad thing to do to come out about it and it's it's interesting i especially for a book which came out in 1960s to cover something like that which is still such a prominent topic today is is quite good yeah i think it's 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 really important as well because obviously it was written came out in 1961 but it was obviously then written at the late end of the 1950s before it was published um and obviously that was like kind of just the beginning of the American civil rights movement. So like happily would have like grew up in the times when like the Jim Crow laws were were like big and like um there was like the obviously the persecution of like African Americans like Emmett Till um and the Scottsboro boys. Um like if anyone isn't aware of them like Emmett Till just wolf whistled a white girl and then ended up dead. So I think like the book does such a good job of showing that these innocent black men all they have to do is look in the way of a white woman in these times and it can end in such such dramatic and such awful circumstances because of such racial bias and inequality and i think i think the book does such a good job of reminding readers of that but also showing that there is characters like atticus who do see past the color of skin and know that skin does not make people guilty in ways that people at the time didn't um and i think that when it comes out in 1961 and now like, if people to read that, it's so educational and so important. When you read a book which came out in the 1960s and there's still themes and topics which are resonating mm-hmm. today, it kind of makes you realise 
there is something deeply wrong with our current society if this is still issues we're encountering today. Mm. And like, it's been 60 plus years. Why haven't we solved this yet? Like, we need to work hard. Sure, we're making progress, but it's clearly not fast enough. Yeah, it's definitely one of those books that kind of makes you reevaluate how we treat each other and how we treat based on skin colour, but also sexual assault and rape victims. And I think, like, obviously when the Black Lives Matter movement was huge, I think it would have been such an important book back then, as like like now as well. Yeah. And it's, it's a miracle this book did get made, as a, a fact about it, is that uh, Lee's agent sent the book to 10 different publishers, and all of them turned her down. Wow. Uh, but then Lippincott, who eventually published a book, took it on. So it, it almost didn't see the light of day but thank thank god it did wow that's crazy that they rejected it i thought it would have been like straight up bestseller she, she also said that like, harper lee said that she actually said she wished she never wrote the damn thing uh, that's like an actual quote from her and then she was asked about that later on and responded with sometimes but then it passes so it's i think it's a very interesting look of how someone's work can be analysed and by by themselves, and I guess I hope she I hope she realises how much of an influence her work did actually have in the end. Mm. I think um, I can kind of understand that she probably didn't want to have written the book because it was published at a time when probably it was going to get a lot of backlash um, from racist people. So I think like she was probably a bit wary of that, and even now I think people do go in looking for problems um i was reading like earlier that the sequel people see read the sequel and they don't like it because they portray it portrays atticus sort of racist so i think um i can kind of see why she wouldn't want to have written it at times because it does get a lot of analysis from from readers another random fact so the what kind of going back to way back to when you said that happily was kind of really set on pet when when he auditioned um the watch that was used in the film as a prop um happily gave peck her father's watch after the film was completed because he reminded her so much of him and the whole the whole character of atticus is kind oh, of wow. written about um happily's father which is really interesting because it's he's such an iconic figure but it's quite nice to see that peck had such a close relationship with happily um and then another fact on top of that he has such a relationship with the actress that plays scout as well that whenever they whenever they i'm assuming they're both dead now i don't know they might be alive whenever they used to see each other they, he would call her scout and scout would continue to call peck atticus in real life outside of filming oh that's so sweet and it just kind of shows how close a bond these characters and how well yeah. they work together like they had such great chemistry on screen so it's... yeah brilliant casting speaking of scout i think scout is the perfect mm. antithesis to amy from gone girl the polar opposite because the entire time when i'm reading the book and following scout as a protagonist i trusted every single word she said like because she just gave such silly details about the things we didn't really need to know which kind of did obviously make it a bit boring at times but it was also very heartening seeing this character just grow and change and it's just her being so honest with life and just how frustrated she is with certain things is it was really great to see and i i there wasn't a single moment where i thought is she lying to me she better not be lying to me but then amy i have no idea whatever she was saying was actually true yeah because it turns oh out my it God, I, didn't, I didn't true. think to compare them but that's so interesting because obviously it is first person perspective and it's also scout telling the tales on a retrospective, right? It's not. It's not at the time that she's experiencing them. She's telling them after. Yeah. So it's it's you do have that moment of like, well, yeah. is she remembering this right? Is she actually telling this right? And then again, like obviously, Scout is only one character. She's not going to have been in every single scene or every single moment, so she can't judge everything. But I did. That's right. I never questioned Scout's perspective. Maybe it's because she's a kid. I think. The only time which we may have been potentially misled is when she's also being misled because we're just getting her undiluted, straight opinion of what's happening. Like, there's no, she's not looking into like a deeper meaning. It's just her straight up opinion about what's happening at the moment, like the whole thing at the jail. It's like anyone else in that scenario would not be thinking about that guy's son mm. and how they might be having a dinner party or whatever. 
but that's what Scout's thinking of, and I think yeah, that's I think she is like a kid and is kind of naive. You do you do trust her not to just add her own feeling, had her own bias onto the scene. She is just telling it as it is and how she feels, which is the complete opposite of Amy, who is completely manipulating you throughout the whole novel. Did you know that Killer Mockingbird was ranked ahead of the Bible as one as a book every what? adult should read before they die? Yet in 2006, British Library and Brains <laughs> ranked it first for books everyone should read, ahead of stuff like uh, uh, nine, eight, or, nine, Orwell's yeah. like 1864 or whatever, and like Lord of the Rings, and stuff like that. It's like, that's how influential this book was. And this is a book set in oh, America and British Libraries. That gee, wow, <laughs> that is that the book must be on every scratch off poster. You know, it's like a hundred books to read before you die. And it's the first one. <laughs> I can kind of see that though. I think it is. It's one of those books where you have to read it to really understand why it's popular, but also to really understand the history of America and also the history and the current situation of the UK. I think yeah, I'm glad I read it as a kid though. I think I think going into it now. I would be like, why is it so hype? But as a kid, I was just like, oh, it's just Killer Mockingbird. You know, classic English text. Yeah, exactly. And it'd be interesting to see what the world would be like mm-hmm. if that book could never... Because re- it almost didn't, like we said. It, it almost didn't see the light of day. What would have happened if yeah. that 11th publisher had said no? It'd be very interesting to see what kind of books we'd have. Yeah. I like to think we'd get something similar, but... Definitely not at that time. Maybe it'll be a few years down the line. A question off the bat of that. If you could pick any book, say you had to pick and recommend one, only one book to people to read before they die. Say like someone's on their deathbed right now and you were like, you have to read this one book. Which book? Uh, I could go for the easy one as my favourite of Long Way to a Small Angry Planet because I think it's a very, especially for people who don't have much experience with it, it's a very interesting like look at gender and uh, mm. queerness but another book which i i really did enjoy was uh if cats disappeared from the world it's such a it's such an interesting really? little book by genki carol murrah i probably mispronounced your name i'm sorry but it's basically about uh, a guy who gets greeted by i think it's like a demon or something and it says i'll give you mm. as many yeah, it gives him a special offer. In exchange for making one thing in the world disappear, he can add one extra day of life to this person who's terminally ill. And it's really interesting because like, each day he's like, okay, what thing do I pick to disappear? And he picks stuff like uh, film because like, the devil tries to coerce him into picking big things in his life. So he's made to pick stuff like films, his... Uh, I think it's even stuff like his father and stuff like that. And it's like... It's really interesting things, which makes kind of a broad look at the important things in your own life. And I think it's a really interesting book to make you appreciate your own life. Stuff like that. I fully recommend reading that book. What about you, Lucy? If I were to go for a book that is kind of similar to Kill Mockingbird, um, that like is literary and important, I would probably go for Beloved by Toni Morrison. Um, so essentially, it's I think it came out in like the 1980s or the 70s, um, and it essentially follows this character called Seif, who is a former slave um, and whose house is may on well it is basically haunted by the ghost of a baby she had to murder in her past life, um, and it's essentially it's like it's so good because it's like murder, death, <laughs> gothic but also like slavery and race and kind of like the bonds of family and the generations of family. It's quite dark, but it's really good. It sounds interesting, but that does also sound horrific. Yeah. But then if we want, if we want more of a, a chill vibe, I would probably go for The Curious Instant of the Dog in the Night. Oh, I love that book. That book's so, so good. That's such a good book. It's such a good book. I think... Pokes of being a wallflower as well. That's another really yeah bit yeah of mod that like similar to how this is classic American literature. I think that's a modern classic American literature. Yeah. Following kids as they try and grow up and buck the trend of uh, life, trying to make them go one way when in reality they want to go another way. Mm. 
Yeah, it is quite depressing now. Yeah. It's also worth noting that the other day I saw To Kill a Mockingbird in the theatre. Um, in it was at the I'm going to butcher this the Guild Theatre in London, right near the Miz. I don't know London as well now. Um, and it was I feel like it it's I I want to say like similarly to the film it was a really good adaptation, but I think going back to what we were saying of how we don't really like the beginning of the book because the action is the film the theatre kicks off straight away with the car oh, that's interesting like we've in, we, it's so it's so interesting yeah so it like it, it starts with Gout being like how did this man Tom sorry stab himself in the back surely that's not a thing and then he, she's like I'm gonna tell you the story and then like the judge comes in and the jury comes in and then the the um, witness stand comes in um, and it's literally within minutes and it starts off with that and starts off with them giving their opening statements and giving drawing the first um, witness to the stand, um, which was the sheriff, which is really... And then goes back to the beginning and bring, brings in Dill and brings in the whole, like, sheriff judge going to Atticus's house to be like, do you want to take on this case? So I felt like that was a really interesting thing to see because I think... We, I think we're both agreed that if it, if we focus more on the, the court, it's much more interesting. Would you say if someone went to go see that play mm. without having read the book, watched the film, or had any clue and thought it was about mockingbirds, the, the actual bird, would they have been able to follow it if they the, the way they did it? Um, I think they would have been severely disappointed because there is no birds in this in this piece of production. But I think. I think it's actually, like, if you go in with no knowledge of what To Kill a Mockingbird is about and no knowledge of the book or the film, you would be able to follow it. It's a really good kind of standalone story about this man who was accused of rape. And I think, like, the film is as well. Like, if you were to just watch the film without reading the book, like, differently to, like, The Goldfinch, where it was, like, you needed to have read the book, read the book you can just go into To Kill a Mockingbird film and know what it's about. You do realise we're going to have to change the podcast name from a page to picture, from a page to stage. A page, from page uh. to picture to stage. Um, it's also interesting that um, adults were playing Scout and Dill and Jem, not kids. Oh, that is interesting. I guess, is it common for kids to be in kind of stage, stage productions like that? Um, I mean, Matilda is all kids. So, and the kids are incredible, but I think when it comes to something that's so serious and such a really, really hard-hitting topic, I wouldn't cast kids. Speaking of that, when we do Matilda, are we going to do Matilda the Musical and then the Matilda the Musical, the film adaptation as well? Like what? what that's a whole bag of onions to unpack. George, yes, we're doing Matilda in like one two four episodes so the film should be out by then so we can do matilda matilda the film and matilda the musical the film you'll love it please save me listeners (laughs) so i guess judge book or film i think the film is a fantastic and very honest adaptation of the book but i do think overall the book is better but it is a testament to how well this film did both in terms of box office and commercially and the fact that there have been no adaptations since of how good an adaptation is i think this might be this is definitely up there in terms of the one of the best adaptations mm. of and i'm not saying it's the best film we've done like i might have enjoyed some films we've done better mm. but in terms of like comparing it to their book this has been the most honest and well, what about you I think I agree. I think in terms of all the books and films we've done thus far, I think this definitely stands as the truest, the the best ad- adapted. I think The Martian was amazing, but I think this stands as kind of really loyal to its source material. But I think I agree that I think I'll, I think I'll pick the book because the book does have those tiny little moments where you're reading it and you're like this is good this is good which you can't put in a film you never will be able to put in a film because they're just tiny passing moments but the book is good and i think like i don't think i would rewatch the film i think i don't think i would have ever watched the film if it wasn't for this podcast 
Whereas, like, I have actively read the book on my own in the past, but I think you're right in that it's, it's definitely one of the best adaptations. And once again, that brings us to the end of the page and to the credits. Thank you so much for listening. Let us know your thoughts on How to Kill a Mockingbird on our Twitter at FromPageToPicture and our Instagram at FromPageToPicture. Join us next time as we step back into the world of science fiction with Annihilation by Jeff Vandermeer and its 2018 film adaptation. Bye. Bye.